this is Jen, and you're listening to Paradox, a Mage the Ascension podcast. These bite-sized episodes are designed to get you up to speed and comfortable with Mage the Ascension rules and concepts. Reread the books so you don't have to, though we do recommend it. Without further ado, welcome to Paradox. Welcome back to episode 11, A Bit of Context. I hope you've been enjoying the breakdowns of all the spheres so far, and our discussion about Paradigm last episode. If you haven't caught that one yet, I recommend it. Originally, I thought to jump right into the descriptions of magic in order to draw people in, after the absolute basics of character creation, of course. Before I continue on, though, I wanted to make a point to talk about some terminology and concepts that I have been mentioning here and there, but haven't really explained. It can be difficult to talk about mage without using some of the terms, and every so often I do forget that I could be talking to a brand new mage player, or someone who's just beginning to get interested in TTRPGs, and I don't want to completely baffle those audience members by not explaining things. First, I want to talk about the different factions within the world of mage. The two main ones, the Nine Traditions and the Technocracy, are important to know about prior to some of the upcoming episodes on the remaining spheres. I do plan to go more in-depth into all of these in future episodes, as they all have their own history, politics, belief system, and groups within them, but for now, a quick run-through will suffice. The Nine Mystic Traditions, or simply the Nine Traditions, are a pseudo-political structure of nine different factions of mages. Go figure. They differ from the other faction, the Technocratic Union, because although they, for the most part, try to work together, they, again, for the most part, respect the various beliefs and magic systems that each one maintains. These traditions are the primary protagonists of Mage the Ascension, although in later supplements, and even more so in M20, it became easier to portray the other factions as player characters, or PCs. The mages associated with the traditions were the ones fighting the good fight against the monolithic technocratic union, trying to keep magic from completely being subsumed by science, while also striving for the ultimate goal, Ascension, whatever that actually means. They may bicker and argue like a large family with way too much contentious history, but when it really counts, they have each other's backs. The nine traditions include the Akashiana, or Akashic Brotherhood, the Celestial Chorus, the Sahajia, or the Cult of Ecstasy, the Kavadi, or the Dream Speakers, the Chakravanti, or the Thanatoi, the Order of Hermes, the Sons or Society of Aether, the Verbana, and the Virtual Adepts. Moving on to the technocracy, while they're often touted as Mage the Ascension's big bad, they have gone through many changes over the life of the system. Overall, they are enlightened people who can do wondrous things through science itself, not magic. Of course, it still is magic, but while each of the conventions within the technocracy have different goals that they focus on, they all share an overarching belief that they are working within the bounds of science. Enlightened, advanced science, but science all the same. In earlier editions of Mage, they were a monolithic oppressive force striving to obliterate all magic and magic users, or reality deviants, from the world. Later editions began to shift the technocracy away from a singular bad guy to an organization made up of people, people who thought they were doing the right thing and protecting humanity, and weren't soulless and evil as they were previously portrayed. They do continue to work counter to the Nine Traditions, but depending on the pieces of the meta plot you choose to use in your chronicle, they could be anything from that monolithic evil your mages fight against 
to your actual players, trying to figure out where they fit within this corporate structure that is struggling to stay together after the Avatar Storm, or Dimensional Anomaly as they call it, cut them off from the upper echelons of the faction. There are five conventions within the technocracy, each with their own main focus. The Iteration X, the New World Order, or NWO, the Progenitors, the Syndicate, and the Void Engineers. There is also a collection of groups known as Crafts, or the Disparate Crafts, who refuse to join either the Traditions or the Technocracy, but gather in their own groups. By M20, it is rumored that they have been more or less exterminated, as in the revised edition, many were said to have been subsumed into Traditions or destroyed. In M20, while those mergers did occur, it was with smaller subsections of the various crafts and not the majority, which still stand on their own, or with the other crafts. With no desire to join the traditions and a general hatred for the technocracy that ordered pogroms to wipe them out, various independent crafts decided to band together for mutual aid and survival, becoming the network known as the Disparate Alliance. There are five core member groups, several associates that are sort of attached, and several factions that are being considered for membership. The founding members include the Ali Batin, or Batini, the Ningoma, the Bata'a, the Hollow Ones, and the Children of Knowledge, who used to be known as the Solificati and have an interesting history as they used to be both a founding member of the Nine Traditions and the Order of Reason, which is what the Technocracy used to be called. The other semi-attached factions include the Kopaloe, the Sisters of Hippolyta, the Taftani, the Templar Knights, and the Wu Lung, while the ones being considered for membership include the Balamob, the Thunder Society, the Uzoma, the Navalon, the Mirinomen, the Red Thorn Dedicates, the Itzat, and the Go Gama. And I apologize for butchering probably most of those names. There are far too many to go into detail right now, but all of them are mentioned in the M20 core, even if some only have small snippets. There are also, of course, those mages who don't fall into any of these groups. The traditions call them orphans as a derogatory snipe at those who prefer to not be associated with a larger group for whatever reason. The technocracy still calls them reality deviants and doesn't care what their affiliation might be. They are effectively independents, but most would just say that they're living their lives. There are two other groups that are often utilized for antagonists, though player characters may venture down these paths themselves at their own risk. The Nefandi, or the Fallen, are generally seen as irredeemably evil, regardless of why they may have chosen whatever path they have chosen. Maybe they were good people once, and they suffered a tragedy that turned them against the world, or they got too curious about the abyss, or they sought power without thinking through the consequences. Regardless of how they got there, they are no longer the people they once were, and their goals have changed. Their main desire is the complete obliteration of reality, and although they all strive for the death of the universe, how they go about it varies greatly. Nefanti can be created as Barabi from regular mages through the Call, which is a gateway that can appear in different ways but is usually similar to a gaping maw. Entering a Call ends in one of two ways, death or an inverted avatar. Nefanti can also simply be born with inverted avatars from a previous life. These are called Witterslaint and are usually the result of a Barabi being killed, allowing for their avatar to re-enter the cycle and get born again. While the Barabi are the traitors of the Ascension War since they willingly corrupt their soul in order to kill the world, the Witterslaint are a living argument against free will as they generally do horrific things, 
regardless of whether or not they also choose to go through the call. They use Klopothic magic, as their magic itself has been inverted into something dark and twisted. Klopothic magic is the opposite of the nine spheres of creation. Each has a Klopothic counterpart, and while normal spheres operate by creating, changing, and rearranging the elements of reality, Klopothic spheres operate by destroying reality. The Marauders, or the Mad, are mages or technocrats who have either pushed themselves or been driven past their breaking points through the use of magic, and they have disconnected from reality. They are the true definition of insane. They don't have a single mental health issue. They don't have quirks. They are broken people who once had full lives and hopes and dreams, but now exist in their own literal reality bubble that affects the world around them, sometimes with devastating consequences. Marauders are the direct result of a consequence of magic called paradox. And yes, it is the inspiration for the name of this podcast. We've talked about it a bit before, and we'll be talking about paradox more in depth in a later episode. But the gist is that paradox is a consequence of going against consensual reality by using magic. The wilder and grander the magical effect is, the more paradox one risks. One of the potential paradoxical effects that can happen is quiet, a disconnection from that consensual reality. It can happen at varying levels from minor hallucinations all the way up to becoming a marauder and gaining permanent quiet. I also wanted to talk a bit more after last episode about paradigm and the various foci one can utilize. M20 has a long list, and it isn't everything. So if you think your mage would do magic a certain way, through certain instruments and practices, and M20 doesn't list those specifics, you can still utilize those foci. As someone who loves roleplay above all else, I simply recommend thinking through the specifics of your mage's paradigm and why they believe that is the way they need to cast magic. Is that the way they were taught? Is that just how they discovered magic? Do they have a deep-seated belief that they can only access the energies of the universe, quintessence, by using this holy relic from their religion, whatever that religion may be, of course? As mentioned last episode, focus and paradigm are different things, and I'm going to attempt to be clearer about that, despite the fact that it sometimes still confuses me since I'm used to the older editions. Focus in M20 is exactly that a way of focusing your magic through the individual aspects of paradigm, what you believe, practices, what you do, and instruments, what you use. As M20 states, belief inspires, practice directs, and instruments put that practice into action, and all three together make your mage's focus. I am, as stated, more used to the mage revised way of thinking which is that you focus your magic through instruments or practices known as foci, or a focus for a singular instrument or practice. Whereas paradigm is the belief system that dictates why you use what you use. The differences are subtle, but there are enough for me to need to work at wrapping my head around the way M20 presents it. The other thing to remember is that belief is a very personal experience, and while we often pair belief with faith and religion, it still works for magic. In fact, although I sometimes use the words interchangeably, technically belief tends to refer to a personal faith or creed, while paradigm leans towards an intellectual framework for understanding such things. In other words, paradigm represents how you think the world works, and belief represents why you think it works that way. And sometimes they can overlap for highly religious mages as well as others. Not every paradigm presented will work for the character you have in mind. 
sometimes none of them feel right. So as suggested in last episode, feel free to combine them or create your own. Chapter 3, Matters of Focus in the M20 Book of Secrets, lays out a step-by-step section that states if you're going to select several of the listed paradigms, then try and combine them into a single sentence, which sums up your character's beliefs. There is also a supplement book out called Tools of the Trade, which you can get on RPG, that presents a more mechanical way of designing a paradigm, if that's a better way for your own brain to think about it. I haven't used it myself, but if you're struggling with the idea of paradigm and think it might help, it's worth a shot. Here are the basics, though. Every mage has a way of looking at the world and understanding it. This is their paradigm. Your character will have one paradigm, though it may change or evolve over the course of play, or it may have changed already in their pre-game lives. That's up to you. While they have a single overall paradigm, it may be comprised of different beliefs, all of which provide aspects to the overarching paradigm. These sub-paradigms do need to be compatible in order to be combined. Most people don't believe that tech holds all the answers at the same time as believing that we are meant to be wild, as the second paradigm states explicitly that technology is a crutch. This doesn't mean that you can only choose tech-based paradigms if you're playing a primarily tech-based character, like a virtual adept, etherite, or technocrat. But your character may believe that they are capable of transcending their limits through tech because we are not men. For the record, that combines the paradigms of Transcend Your Limits from the Book of Secrets, Tech Holds All the Answers, which is from the M20 Core, and We Are Not Men, also from the Book of Secrets. These three paradigms don't necessarily appear to be compatible, but can be combined into a transhumanist character who would possibly join the Progenitors, the Iteration X, or maybe even the Etherites. A virtual adept character might be more inclined to lean into the consciousness is the only true reality, or a holographic reality, both from the Book of Secrets, but otherwise could work within the same paradigm. Once you have the how your mage believes the world works, you get to select practices and instruments, the way your mage works magic upon the world. M20 states you should select at least one practice, though you could have several mixed together, and at least seven instruments. This number was chosen due to the auspicious nature of the number which fits well with the themes of mage, as well as to allow a mage to fully discard all of their instruments by Arete 9. A mage can discard one instrument per level in Arete, starting at Arete 3. Technomancers, those mages who primarily use technological tools, cannot discard instruments until Arete 6, when they can discard one, but at Arete 7 and 8, they can then discard two instruments per level And again, by Arate 9, they will have transcended the need for instruments. Technocrats, on the other hand, can never transcend their focus, as they are too enmeshed in their specific paradigm. That's the problem with indoctrination. Practice itself is about turning abstract ideas, your paradigm, into useful activities. These could be things like faith, high ritual magic, crafting, whether fiber arts or something like blacksmithing, martial arts, yoga, or weird science. They tend to be a little more abstract than instruments, but your instruments could be directly related to the practice, like using prayer as an instrument for your faith, or using a wand and speaking Latin to work some high ritual magic. The M20 core book lists several practices and some common instruments to use with them, while the Book of Secrets expands upon that list. Again, you can mix things together and create your own if you feel comfortable doing so. 
For instruments, they can range from fairly generalized things like dance, curses, bones, dice, blood, drugs or alcohol, eye contact or languages, or a variety of other things. These would be standard instruments with no specific significance beyond the fact that they are tools for your magic, and they offer no mechanical penalty or bonus for using them. You can also have personalized instruments. These are specific instruments used in your magic, such as a specific drug or a specific pair of dice, or a lucky baseball, a wand made from the wood of an oak tree, and so on. You choose one personalized instrument for your affinity sphere, and when you use that instrument for that sphere, you can reduce the difficulty of your Arete roll by one. So if you were going to be looking for sixes, now you're looking for fives. This is still restricted by the rule that states difficulties cannot be lower than three. Finally, you can have unique instruments. These are rare and incredibly specific instruments that allows for a deep and vital connection to your character's magic. These are irreplaceable, tied to a particular sphere, and if you ever lose one, you gain a penalty as though you were working without a focus at all meaning your mage has to throw every bit of determination behind the effect. In terms of mechanics, you will spend a willpower and are at a plus three difficulty to use that sphere. However, if you have your unique instrument, you reduce the difficulty of your arete roll by one as well. And if your instrument is both personal and unique, you reduce your difficulty by two. Only your mage is able to use that instrument in this way. Unique instruments would include things like a wand made from the wood of the oak tree that grew in front of your childhood home which had since been destroyed, a fiddle crafted by your dead grandfather, or a locket with your mentor's last portrait. Unlike either personalized or standard instruments, a unique instrument must be something your mage can lose. And storytellers take note because while your players gain a bonus, they also now have something you can take from them, should the dice and story permit it, of course. To briefly note the difference between a personalized instrument and a unique one, think of a unique instrument as having an extra layer of importance put on it. For example, you could have a personalized life instrument that is a grimoire or a book of spells. Maybe it's something your mage created over time, or maybe it's something they just picked up in a used bookstore before they awakened, and it's how they learned their first spells. However, if it was your dead mother's personal grimoire that you use that's a unique item. It cannot be replaced. Finally, I wanted to provide a few resources that players or storytellers may want to peruse when looking for ideas about their characters' paradigms. Mage Made Easy is a new supplement that provides some ways to make mage easy for you to play and understand, including focus. As mentioned, the Book of Secrets has an entire chapter dedicated to focus. Tools of the Trade is a supplement for advanced focus creation, which may provide a closer connection to your focus or just an alternative method to understand it. There are two books which took M20's focused rules and tried to make them a little bit more accessible by exploring focus through a character example. These are Paradigms Explored, Weird and Weft, and Paradigm Explored, Number and Shape. A few of the older mage books had some good write-ups at the time, which may be worth the read if you can get your hands on them, such as The Book of Mirrors, 2nd edition, on page 49, and the In the Mind's Eye section on page 145, and the 2nd edition Storyteller's Handbook, which talks about consensus reality and regional paradigms. There are probably some good write-ups in the core books from Revised and 2nd edition too, but I know a lot was taken from those books and simply updated for M20. I hope that this episode has clarified a few things about the major groups in Mage, as well as answered any lingering questions about focus, and maybe given you a little something to think about. Join us again next time as I get back to the deep dives into spheres. 
but hang on tight. It's about to get weird. You've been listening to Paradox, a Mage the Ascension podcast, and you can find us wherever you can find podcasts. If actual plays are up your alley, check out Dorktales on twitch.tv slash dorktales or youtube.com slash dorktales. Find us on the Dorktales Discord server or check out our website at dorktales.ca. We are currently streaming a Mage the Victorian era game on Saturdays. Our Patreon subscribers have early access to the Technocracy Zero Sum game, which is also starting to roll out on YouTube for the general public. And we have several Mage one-shots and a short-run chronicle called Breaking Tradition on YouTube. Additionally, we are starting to roll out our Mage the Victorian era game in podcast form over on the Dorktales Podbean channel, also found wherever you can find podcasts. Finally, as always, there's also all of our other amazing content. Thanks for listening, and remember to always keep your magic coincidental, unless it's Fireball.